Welcome to our last session of the Functional Meditation Workshop. We have received so much amazing feedback about how functional this approach is, um, which is definitely our intention, is to really support you in a practice and to clarify a practice that changes the way that you function. So a functional approach um, really revises and refines our um, deepest intentions. So checks out and makes sure, makes sure that we are really clear about what results we're looking to get from our practice. What are the results? What is the method? Can we measure? Um, what outcomes do we want to achieve? So, you know, I'm really attracted to a functional approach because I'm very interested in awareness. I see awareness as um, the catalyst for more efficiency, more connection, more presence, all of these beautiful things in our life that we're trying to increase. Awareness is the catalyst for that. So a functional approach really calls us to be more aware, more present, um, and to be really serious, be really mature, and to consider um, what am, is what I'm doing really changing me? Is it changing the way that I function? The way I experience my life, my emotions, my thoughts, my body, the way that I relate to my life, is that changing is it transforming? Do I feel liberated? Do I feel more clear? And I feel like the biggest thing that spiritual practice has afforded me, and also the most significant thing that I see spiritual practice has afforded people that I work with, whether they realize it or not, the most significant thing for me is you could say a feeling of stability, but also just a feeling like you're not lost. You know, whether we're aware of it or not, I feel like one of the most difficult conditions to live with as a human is to not know, to feel lost, to not know what the next step is, to not know what our purpose is, to be feeling like we're living on the surface, you know, not feel like we're connected to something deeper, true and stable. I feel like that is, especially for me, you know, if I remember just before I found the spiritual path and just before I became really fanatic about the spiritual path, I was feeling, I didn't even realize it, but I was feeling so deeply existentially lost. Um, no matter how many friends I had, I, I was even, you know, had a partner at the time. I felt so lonely, so unconnected. And hopefully, spiritual practice, the, the work that we're doing, gives us a feeling like we're connected. Even though things are tough, life will continue to deliver us pleasure and pain. That's just the way life is. Always the flow of life, throwing all different kinds of waves, you know, on the surface of our being, there's so many waves in this analogy of us being an ocean, you know? The waves are always moving. There's storms, there's peace, there's beauty, there's, you know, terror always on the surface of our being. We can't 
that's what life is. You know, there is so much variety and tension and ease and just everything, everything, you know, the life presents us with everything, but it's so much easy to weather that storm. And it's so satisfying to live with a connection from the heart and a connection to something that's stable. Um, all of the loneliness disappears. All of the existential fears disappear when we're connected to that truth. It's not like we're always connected to it a hundred percent, but to establish that connection to something deeper is what I think is the um, biggest benefit of the spiritual path to feel connected, to feel stable, to feel grounded in something that's real, regardless of the changing circumstances, I believe is, um, yeah, absolutely priceless. So this is really what we're seeking in a functional approach. So today is, you know, really one of the most important topics when it comes to meditation. I mean, some of the things that we covered initially really clarified the biggest obstacles to meditation, but something that is really just the most beautiful part of the meditation practice and, and affords us the most depth and, um, yeah, the most depth to our practice will be the spiritual heart. So the spiritual heart, the heart, the heart is a powerful symbol across all traditions from the ancient traditions and modern schools of thought, the heart holds a significance, it holds a power. People have been speaking about it for a long time. And there has been this recent um, recent studies by an institute in America called HeartMath. And HeartMath has done all these kinds of studies and experiments on the heart and on meditation and, and on relaxation and healing and um coherence and resilience. So how to, um, to find peace and stability in, in the changing life. And then they take a lot of this research and studies into, um, workplaces and in, you know, even for kids and for trainings for relationships and so on. And I want to share with you a little bit of the research because it's so interesting, um, about this organ of the heart first, you know, we can start. So, of course, we're going to speak about the heart beyond just an organ and an energy center. We're ultimately going to end up at how the heart is a doorway into the infinity of our being. The heart as the ultimate tool for the revelation of ourself. But let's start with um, the studies of, of heart math. So heart math... Um, you know, they put out this research and it, it's in biology. It's obviously common knowledge, but the, the heart is the first organ to form. So well before the brain forms or is even working, the heart is formed and is beating. So the heart is the first organ. And the heart has its own, it's got 40,000 neurons. So it's got its own brain cells. It's got its own capacity to sense and process information. And in fact, the heart sends more neurological impulses to the brain than the brain says to the heart. So the heart is sensing and processing information from the environment and sending that information to the brain to tell the brain how to manage um, and regulate the rest of the body. 
and the heart is a hundred times electrically stronger and up to 5,000 times magnetically stronger than the brain. So it's got its own electromagnetic field. And as you can imagine, the heart, you know, it's this organ, it's a, it's a pump, it's a muscle. It's putting out an energy output, you know, through its function. And the way that it's functioning, its qualities, its, its energy creates an electromagnetic field. And that electromagnetic field is up to 100 times electrically and up to 5,000 times magnetically stronger than the brain. You know, the brain doesn't really move very much. It's not putting out so much energy in this field. And the field of our heart can affect the fields of the other hearts around us. We can feel the energy. The energy fields um, meet, you know, and the electromagnetic field is the um, energy field, the energy spectrum that we live our lives in, in the electromagnetic field. And depending on how the heart is beating and how the heart is functioning, it affects the quality of this field. And in heart math, they study this field and they, they can see that with positive emotions, the energy field has a quality of coherence. And it's the opposite in um, stressed emotions. And they measure coherence by measuring the heart rate variability and graphing it. So your heart rate, you know, as the heart beats, the heart rate that you see on a graph, um, even though it looks kind of um, the same each spike, actually there's a small difference between each heartbeat and you can graph that and that's called heart rate variability. And depending on the type of the state of the overall state, the attitude you might say, or the overall state of being, the emotions and the minds and the the, the state of the body at one at any one time, um, you can measure the state of coherence. And coherence, according to heart math, is a state of being relaxed but alert. So you're not just um, sleepy, relaxed. But you're also, you have a strong sense of problem solving and resilience and capacity to respond in a um, relaxed and beneficial way. So you can graph that and, and the, the way that the heart is functioning is, um, you know, a signifier of, of how we feel and how we can react. And that heart, that energy field affects the world around us and it can be affected as well. And then it sends information to the brain, which then regulates our entire system. So, you know, even in the mystical traditions, they speak about the eye of the heart, you know, that the heart has its own capacity to sense and process information from the world. So the heart has its own intrinsic nervous system. You could say it's not just a pump. And, you know, of course, it's a hormone gland. It manufactures and secretes hormones, neurotransmitters, oxytocin, and, and affects our, our overall well-being. So the heart, you know, in, in many traditions, it's spoken about as being um, a very significant symbol, if we think now about the mystical traditions. But in most spiritual traditions, the heart isn't just considered to be sig a significant symbol or a significant energy or a significant um, location of the body or tool for practice. Actually, the heart is spoken about 
as having the ultimate significance. So in Christianity, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is in your heart. And in Islam, Allah says that heaven and earth do not contain me, but I'm contained in the heart of my adorator. So somehow the heart is considered to be God or the heart is considered to be the home of God or the ultimate significance or the ultimate place inside of our being. And then, you know, the next logical question should be for anyone who's, who is pursuing self-realization or God-realization or wants to really know about the infinity or what is all that is or what is my source? What created me? If you're interested in that, you know, a lot of teachers say nowadays, you know, instead of looking for that truth outside, if you want to know the nature of the universe, for sure, reading about, you know, quantum physics and, and metaphysics and even thinking about philosophy and looking at science are all very interesting and, and valuable. But if you really want to know the truth of, of this truth, of this being, and the being is in your heart, then, you know, the next logical step said that, why don't, should say that, why don't I meditate on my own heart? Why don't I find a way to access the truth through the heart? And that's exactly what we should do, you know, according to this teaching and this type of meditation is that the heart is a doorway into our being the infinity of our being beyond the person, beyond the energy, the heart is felt as the very center and the very source and the very creator, the that which is before our person upon exploration, you know, beyond just this theory in your own meditation and in, in a practical experience, it's felt in the heart space. And this is something that you need to verify with your own practice as well, that the heart really is the source. So we're going to speak about how to use the heart in meditation, and I'll, I'll give three ways. So the first way to use the heart is, is to use the heart as an object of concentration and an object of meditation. So we use the chest area and the center of the chest and the heart space behind the sternum. You know, you're welcome if it's um, suitable for you at this time to close your eyes and to, to follow these prompts as, as we explore this, as we're going to go deeper. But we can use the, you know, the end point of the inhalation where the breath meets the heart space, maybe a feeling of love or an intimacy or a depth. All of these um, qualities of the heart, we use them as an object of concentration. So instead of just sitting down for meditation and just trying to relax and seeing where it goes, we direct our meditation by concentrating or focusing our energy into one space. And that space is the heart space. Instead of focusing on your breath or even the pauses or even 
um, a number or a flame or whatever you could, you know, an image or a place or a location or a thought, whatever, all of the things that you can concentrate on when you sit down for meditation practice, concentrating on the sounds of the voice or the sounds of the ocean or whatever you're concentrating on. Instead of those, we use the heart space as the object of concentration, something to focus on. And actually in heart math, they call this the quick coherence technique. So something that they've done a lot of studies on and measured the results of taking slow breaths in and out of the heart space until a sense of relaxation appears is what they call the quick coherence technique. And they teach this technique um, as a way to, you know, um, pause and, and break yourself out of really challenging or stressful emotions or thoughts. Um, or if you need to prepare yourself for something and you feel nervous or anxious, they recommend to use the quick coherence technique. And this is exactly what we're actually starting. It's step one of what we're starting this meditation with the heart with is to breathe through the heart. And so it has this amazing effect on your physiology, but it's also a perfect starting point for any spiritual practice, especially a meditation practice or any yoga class that we teach at the studio. It starts with this quick coherence technique or basically using the heart as an object of meditation. And what is the heart? You could think about just the organ or just this point in your chest. You could think about the energy that's here, you know, the breath, the love, the heart energy. Or you could even be considering the center of your being, this formless, infinite depth that is inside, using that as your object. That's how we start focusing our attention on the heart. And any concentration technique has a way of calming the mind because by its nature, it's through an effort pulling the focus into this one point and cutting away all of the other thoughts. So concentration techniques are good for developing a clarity and for purifying that tendency of the mind to just go everywhere. Concentration is Um, you know, like a brain teaser, any other kind of practice, you're building up this muscle to focus your mind. So important for so many things that we do in our life that we can focus, right? Like study or listening or presence or anything that we want, you want or memory, all of this requires our capacity to focus. So using the heart as a object of concentration already has so many benefits for us. And it's The good thing about this is that it's pretty much the best object for meditation or concentration that you can have because the heart has its own relaxing and absorptive, absorptive, absorption qualities. The heart draws attention into it. It it softens us. The heart is this place of the smiling energy. It's the space of love and relaxation where the mind is more of a place of separation and planning and and dividing and evaluating and rationalizing and a certain effort that goes into that activity. The mind is conducive to that tension and that thinking. The heart is conducive to relaxation, softening, allowing, loving, gratitude, 
and being, you know, so just it's not just pruning the mind and purifying the mind to concentrate on on the heart as an object. Um, but it's also having these added benefits of it starts to like so many of you say, some of you don't say this and, and you're at a different stage and, and we can talk about, you know, your process. But a lot of you say, you know, once I sit for meditation, it, it starts to work. You know, the peace starts to come for sure. Thoughts are there for sure. Tensions are there. All kinds of things are there, but as soon as you start to breathe through the heart and use the heart as an object of meditation, a process starts to happen. So that process um, is so much easier and more beneficial than just focusing. Somehow the heart reveals its qualities to us and draws us in, in this um, meditation approach or in this technique. So there's so many ways to focus on the heart, sending your breath there, maybe even placing a hand there, maybe even doing a posture where the chest is open. Um, all of the meditation techniques that we that we teach, counting the numbers in the heart, blowing on the embers of the heart. Um, if you've done silent retreat with us or any of the courses with us, then you know all of these different techniques. So meditating on the heart as an object in the many different ways um, is the is the starting point. The next thing that happens is that, so the second part of this meditation is using the heart as a tool for sublimation. So sublimation is an esoteric term that means, or, you know, it's used in esoteric context to describe transmuting or transforming one energy into something else. And it's, you know, it, it came from alchemy, this idea about turning lead into gold. So turning something that we have a lot of, like lead, that isn't as valuable into something that we really want, like gold. And so sublimation is about, it's not just about trying to find gold, but using something that is already here and refining it or making it sublime or elevating it and and refining that substance into you know the gold and really ultimately on an esoteric level we're looking in, in in alchemy and magic what was spoken about was turning the lead of our experience into the gold of spirituality or specifically in alchemy was about turning the lead what we have a lot of what do you have a lot of in your inner space, emotions, a lot of emotional energy. Emotions are, are always flowing and are so charged. There's a lot of energy in emotions. How can we turn them into the gold of creative genius? You know, and all of these inventors and da Vinci's and, you know, um, all of these people that were part of this magic and alchemy, they were interested in, in this, um, this creative genius, you know, opening the third eye, getting massive insight and knowledge and higher knowledge. So how do we change the lead of our experience into the gold? And in our case, we want to change the lead of our experience into the gold of spirituality, of clarity, of love, of relaxation, of healing. That's the gold, you know, or whatever gold you have. And the lead is really the entire felt experience. In this case, the heart is, can be, and should be, should be able to feel this, the heart as a tool for sublimation. 
And what that means is that in your meditation practice, as you relax, you take your whole experience through the heart. So you're not just focusing there, me and the heart, I'm focusing on my heart. But you're actually taking the whole experience into the heart. You're breathing through the heart. All of the energy of your skin and and your face and everything that you're softening and relaxing, you relax it into the heart. Any thoughts that come up, you draw into the heart with your breath or you relax that energy downward and inward into the heart space. Any sensations that you hear, any sensations that you feel, you feel them with the heart. And this has to be completely practical for you. Like you need to, it can't just be, oh, that sounds really good. I'm going to open the eye of my heart or I'm going to breathe into my heart or live my life with an open heart. This can't just be theory. It needs to be something that you practice in your meditation. Feeling your experience through the heart, opening up the heart. And the way that we do this, it's so easy because the heart is the awareness. The heart is the location and the birthplace and the source and the most concentrated sense of your aware being is in the heart. So in some ways it, it, it's natural. It's just something that we need to practice and develop and, and use and incorporate in our lives. So the heart becomes an organ of sublimation because when these, um, this experience is taken into the heart, As soon as it meets the heart space, it becomes the heart. The heart consumes it. And in the Sufi tradition and other traditions, the heart is considered a symbol of fire. That anything that goes into the fire becomes the fire. And anything that goes into the fire actually becomes fuel for the fire. So if you send a breath in there or you send thoughts in there, you send an emotion there, you feel your experience in the heart, it doesn't just erase your experience so that you don't have lead anymore. It actually fuels and turns into and gives you the gold or it gives you the being and the relaxation and the heart space. So it's not just about getting rid of what you don't want. And it's not just about increasing what you do want, but it's about doing them at the same time. So sublimating what we have into something that we desire, which is the love, the peace, the and then the um, increased connection and awareness of this infinity that's inside. And as this happens, the heart grows bigger, the meditation goes easier, we start to feel more at peace. We're happy to sit here because we're interested in the process. So if you're attracted to something, you'll naturally be happy to go towards it. If it's boring and it's tedious, you're not going to want to sit for meditation. So the meditation starts to go deeper. The aspiration grows and the heart expands. So that's so important. I think it was day six. If you want to revisit that video about the aspiration, how do you grow aspiration? Meditating on the spiritual heart and sublimating your energy through the spiritual heart. So let me know if you have any questions about the sublimation as that can be a little bit abstract. Um, But in a felt experience, it should be very, very obvious. And finally, the heart is um, this doorway to the infinite. It's not just a tool for sublimation. It's not just a beautiful energy. It's not just a beautiful process. 
It's not just changing our experience into love. It's not just, you know, purifying the mind and, and, and calming us down and making us feel peaceful. But there needs to be another dynamic part of the meditation where we say, what is this mystery? What is this depth? What is this middle of my being that's not a thought, a body part, an energy? It's not, you know, a sensation. It's something beyond. It's a doorway into stillness. It's a connection to the formless part of my being. And this is why the heart is such an incredible tool for concentration and meditation and spiritual practice because it actually reveals the exact very thing that we're seeking to reveal, just the truth of our existence. Never could we have ever known that to reveal this truth would be in this way. You just have to, you stumble across it and you say, this is it. This is me. This is the being. And there's an exploration and the heart becomes an organ of knowledge. It starts to look inward just as we have our organs of, you know, the sense organs that look outward into the world. The heart is its own organ of knowledge that looks inward into the being, you know, beyond the person, beyond time, in towards this reality of all that is. And, you know, when this is really exactly what spiritual practice is about, it's so rare to find spiritual practice that even incorporates this. But this is important beyond relaxation, beyond healing, beyond everything that has to do with your person and what feels in alignment and beneficial for your person. What's beyond that? This is only 80 years old of a journey. What's this infinity? Do I have access to it or am I cut off from that truth? Do I have access to that truth? It would be a pretty, I mean, it could be very well the case, but it would be a devastating existence to not know where we came from, what we really are, and what this truth of life and existence is. And as we go into the heart, the thoughts have to be left at the door. You have to go inside. You have to rest in this, this heart space and this depth and this truth beyond the thoughts. Another type of recognition, sometimes called a direct experience, that it's not, you're not thinking about it. You're in it. You are it. You're, you're discovering it through identification, through being yourself you start to know yourself. And Ramana Maharshi used to say, in the heart space is the most intimate feeling of me. The sense of I am or me can be thought of in the head, but it's felt in the heart. Where do you point to when you say I, when you say me, when you're referring to yourself? For sure, you're unconsciously and implicitly referring to your personality but your personality is founded on your being. It's just not what we consider in our daily lives as our deep being, but the personality is founded on your being. Everything is founded on you, on the I, on the feeling of me. And that, Ramana Maharshi says, is, is found in the chest area. This is where we find it. This is where we can meditate. This is where we reveal it and, and we you know, dive into this truth more. And, you know, I think if I was to give any tips about how to continue 
this meditation is, you know, the what you've learned in the meditation course is to try to practice the meditations on the podcast. Um, you know, we'll put up the Hridaya meditation. And also the best thing you could do would be to commit to the weekly practice, Monday mornings, a live meditation where we drop into the heart in real time, live, creating a collective field where we approach this um truth of our being and all of the benefits that come from that. So if that is our goal, there's so many benefits along the way to that. There's a deep relaxation. There's a coherence. There's a relating to life with a sense of relaxation and allowing. There's a sense of knowing ourselves and connecting to the stability of our being. You know, we always say, come to a yoga class. It's not really a yoga class. It's just a yoga practice. Or, you know, spiritual practice. But what about learning about it? That's what we're doing here. You know, what is this background understanding that the yoga practice or the spiritual practice is hopefully oriented towards? Actually, a lot of time in the world outside, the spiritual practice isn't orientated towards the spirit or this self. But it's so important to really to know some of the background and so many of you have learned this material from me or and have been studying in this kind of teaching for so long. But it's so important to just keep revising it, to be in the field, to be in the field of learning, like you're in a field of inquiry, no matter how many times that you've learned this. And there's only one person in this workshop, you know, who has listened to this material more than you. And, and it's me, you know, I'm continuously in this, in this study and the inquiry about you know, I can either be putting my attention on something um, else or I can be putting something, my attention on the spiritual practice in whatever form, just connecting to um, this information. It's so, so, so valuable to keep revisiting this background information. So thanks for that, Laura. And, you know, I'll give another recommendation to listen to the um the workshop as much as possible, put it on while you're driving and try to get through all of the videos that you didn't make before they come down um, Tuesday night. And if you have any other questions, pop them through and then we can just close with a really small, just sealing in and recognition of the heart space. I know there's a bunch of you on here who have also attended the silent retreat with me. So it's just after that, you know, it's just um, a coming home and a deepening and a refinement of that revelation for sure. We also are, you know, more than happy to jump on a call. Catherine and I have put up some links um, just to have a 15 minute chat with us to see how this material is going. Um, any questions and clarification that you have, it's so important to get feedback. Um, one of the worst things you could do would be to travel the spiritual practice without a mentor, um, without support, without feedback that is one of the worst things possible you can just take you know this analogy of just setting your compass one degree to the left you know after 200 miles you'll be in africa instead of england so you know making sure every step of the way there's the small course corrections making sure you're understanding the material carefully because there are so many pitfalls along the spiritual practice and just with one small error, you end up as a Bikram, you know, just doing the craziest shit. And 
so many gurus. It's just notorious. It, you see the religion, religious figures as well, not ha- just the smallest lack of alignment and the um, horrific results that it produces. I hope it's really clear how important it is to have course correction and feedback. And unfortunately as well, a lot of the spiritual teachers themselves are dishing out uh, material that actually takes people in a kind of different direction. It should be obvious from the material that's being presented here that there's so much, it's actually so rare to find spirituality that is about spirituality. There's so much other stuff out there that is just wildly off the mark. Um, as I've expressed in a few other of these sessions that people come to me after so many years of practicing and say, why, why is it still like this? Why do I still feel lost, lonely? I'm not feeling connected. And I know that's not just due to those people. I felt it in myself that I've actually practiced things that I've been told and many years later kind of look back and said, wow, that wasn't right. You know, so it is so important to have a little bit of clarity. Um, so definitely reach out, put a comment in the box, even if you're watching the replay and we can um, book a, a call with you to chat about, you know, whatever your experience has been during the workshop, because it's been a lot of really revolutionary for some of you. You know, a lot of you have said, oh my God, this is just um, totally new. And this is a totally different way than I've been approaching it. Let us know if we can help you out. Just reach out. Asking for help is probably one of the most significant things that we can do. It connects us to help. (laughs) So wherever you are, um, as long as you're not driving, give yourself the chance right now just to close the eyes. You can take a few fuller breaths. Soften your shoulders and your seat. Notice a very fine vibration at the center of your heart. Let the breath move in and out of the heart space until you feel like you've softened. Notice the meeting point between your inhalation and the heart space. A sense of intimacy in the chest area. Maybe a longing or a depth or a sweetness or an intimacy in the heart. Just give yourself a few fuller breaths here where that's enough. You don't need anything else. You don't need any effort or deep inquiry. Just rest in this heart breath, heart sensation, heart awareness.
Maybe your face softens more. The mind drops down, downward and inward. And maybe you notice that the silence in the pauses between the breaths is the same stillness, depth of the heart. The feeling of me, the feeling of I am in the heart. You might conclude with a hand on the heart space and you can linger here as long as it feels good. Just honoring yourself, nourishing yourself. Recognition that there's a sacredness inside. Knowing that help is here, you can reach out. And with that, I wish you a beautiful day.